Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. And thank you for being with us today and every Wednesday as we bring you insightful stories about the transit industry and in-depth interviews with transit executives. Today, we're excited to have as our guest, Palm Trans CEO, Clinton Forbes. Palm Tran, of course, is the transit agency for Palm Beach, Florida. And I was recently able to visit there in person, my first trip in over a year, to meet with uh, Clinton Forbes and his staff to talk about their brand new administration and operations building. Gilbert Morales gave me a tour of that, their director of sports services. And then I sat down with Clinton in his office to talk to him about their response to the COVID-19 pandemic and some of the great things they've done. They also talk about their new flex routes and microtransit to better meet the needs of the community. And Palm Tran is part of the county government there, so we discuss that structure and how it helps integrate them into the overall government coordination efforts in response to the pandemic and in improving mobility for their region. I think you'll really enjoy this in-depth interview with Clinton Forbes, CEO of Palm Tran in Palm Beach, Florida. Thanks for being with us. Enjoy the show. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on our road trip to Southeast America. And on today, I'm in Palm Beach, Florida, with my good friend, the executive director of Palm Tran in Palm Beach County, Clinton Forbes. Clinton, thanks so much for being with us today on the podcast. Paul, so excited to be with you today. Yeah. Great to see you, man. Yeah, and we're sitting in your brand new office, all glass walls. This place is awesome, dude, in Delray. Hey, this is a, a new shiny penny here for a Palm Tran. It is great to start a new chapter in this new uh, building here in in Delray, Florida, in Palm Beach County. How long have you been here? We've been here just a little over three weeks. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, Brand new building. I saw some pictures. You had a great kickoff with your county commissioners and everything. Yeah, we had a great kickoff with the dignitaries, the county commissioners. And it's a, a really special kickoff because it's intersection of two very important events. One, the ribbon cutting and opening of this new facility, $25 million facility. And two, celebrating 50 years of service in Palm Beach County. Oh, wow. That's great, man. 50 years, 1971. (laughs) Wow. And how long have you been here as CEO? I've been five years here as CEO, a little over five years. Tell me about your past and how you ended up here. Like, you've been in the business a long time. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, Paul, I'm approaching 30 years in in the public sector and 25 years in transit leadership. And wow, oftentimes, Paul, we look back at our careers and we say, did I choose the right career? Are we fulfilling our purpose? That sometimes very evasive purpose of where we're really supposed to be. And I'm just so very happy that I can say that I am fulfilling my purpose. And, and I learned that very early on. Typically, you'll you'll be in a career and you're just like, wow, ask that question. It's like, maybe I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I can confidently say that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And that is service, serving people. And I love it. I do it so well. And that's what transit is to me. And that's how I essentially started. My family were uh, military. My, my mother was in pastoral in the ministry. 
And as a result of that, all that service. And I followed suit. And so when I realized that I was serving people in transit, I was saying, this is uh, where I need to be. So I started my career out in in Miami-Dade at the local transportation planning agency, which is the Metropolitan Planning Organization. It's the local transportation planning arm of a municipal area. But my real passion is when I moved into transit and worked for the mayor's office as a young person for a short stint in securing a dedicated source of funding for transportation in Miami-Dade County, one that is in perpetuity and one that marks my career as one of the most significant accomplishments that I was able to do working on that initiative, which is still in place today. And from there, having an opportunity to serve as chief of staff of the largest transit agency in Florida, in Miami-Dade County. And it was just, it was just a great fit. Served there uh, for eight years and accomplished a lot with that money. Learned a lot. Just an interesting story, Paul. In transportation planning, I was more administrative. And so I never really you know, got involved with operations because it was a transportation planning agency. So when I transitioned to transit, and you probably know Roosevelt, he's been in the industry a long time, and he was the one who brought me into transit for the first time as a very young person, early 20s, chief of staff, 5,000 people organization. And much like this office, I had a little glass enclosure. And my first day at work, I was so excited. I was dressed to the nines. You always are. (laughs) (laughs) And I walk in and I walk and I see my name on the door. I'm so proud right next to the CEOs. And I walk into this office and I say, I am ready to change the world. I am ready. Young person, very excited. And just to characterize him, he's sitting at his desk with his knuckles tied (laughs) and he looks at me with this sort of enigmatic look, no kind of expression. And, you know, he's a hard-nosed, you know, born in operations type person and that, that, that excelled to the top. And he looks at me and I said, I, I am ready. I am so excited. Thank you for this opportunity. He says, well, you ready for what? I said, I'm ready for my first day. He said, well, okay. He said, well, your first day is not here. I was like, no, I actually just walked by my office. I saw my name on it. I said, Clinton Ford, chief of staff, and I'm excited. I'm ready to go. And he looked at me and said, if you want this job, you have to understand the people and you have to understand the operations. So if you want this job, I said, I thought I already accepted the job. He said, no, you have to work in operations. You have to do a rotation and maintenance and bus operations and planning then go to budget. I was like, wait, wait, wait. I didn't sign up for that. I'm, I'm an administrative type. And let me tell you, that was probably the most pivotal pivotal uh, time of my career. I bet you. Just to take that time out, a year from really accepting the position to going around and understanding what makes transit work. And that's what I did. And I could never thank him more, even though at that time I thought I was being punished. I thought I was being bamboozled, but it really changed my life. And I really said, okay, this is something I really want to do. And from there, my career sort of took off on a northerly trajectory, right? I went from Miami, leaped to North Florida, Jacksonville Transportation Authority, and worked with Michael Blaylock and Nat Ford for a bit, learned so much, and then took a, a huge leap north to Columbus, Ohio at the Central Ohio Transportation Authority, CODA. 
And wow, what a progressive organization, second in command, CEO designee. They were lining me up to be the CEO there. And I was having a lot of good, a lot of time. My first time ever uh, working in a cold weather state. And so that cold weather operating experience was very, very critical and important. And from there, I, I said, okay, I'll definitely spend five to seven years here once I attain the CEO ship. And, but something happened. And I, I believe it really was divine appointment because I was up working on a board item for the next day. And I normally work early in the morning. And I was up working late that night because I had, was getting ready to board with something that I don't do. And this job, I don't know if you've ever seen the pop-ups on your computer, this job pops up. And typically, Paul, that's not how you learn about jobs. You learn right. about jobs from these headhunters that call you and say, hey, we want, are you interested in this? Or are you? So any job that was prospective for me, I'm sure I would have gotten a call. This job in Palm Beach County pops up. And I was like, wow, no one called me about this. And it pops up on my screen. And the divine appointment part to this is when I opened it, and I don't work late at night. It closed the next day. It was, it, was, it was supposed to close the next day. And I was like, wow. So I dropped my board work. <laughs> and I did nothing but apply for this job. And, and I prayed and I said, no one's going to beat me out on this job. I'm getting back to South Florida. There you go. And, and, and that's what happened. And I'm so, so thankful to be back in South Florida a uh, place where I grew up, just 50 miles south of here. and uh, Back home. Back home, back home. And so that's sort of the trajectory of my career. And I've always wanted to achieve the acme of CEO-ship. But any, and I'd give advice to any young person that it'll come. Work hard, pay your dues, and don't, don't, don't force it. Because uh, for a period, I was trying to force it and been on several interviews at different properties. And I really wasn't interested in the area, but I was more interested in having that title. And I think that if you're a spiritual man like myself, he will order your steps. And, and at the right time, it will happen in the right place. That's um, wonderful. Yeah. So tell us about this right place. Tell us about your the city and how you're structured here and some about your agency, some of the, how many buses, employees, what kind of service you offer, those kind of things. Right. So Palm Tran has been around, as I mentioned, Paul, for over 50 years. It started out as a, as a transportation management company, a private company. And several years, I think it was in uh, 1996, the Board of County Commissioners, it was called Cotran, and the Board of County Commissioners became owners of Palm Tran. And they changed its name from Cotran to Palm Tran, Inc. And so while it is under a uh, municipal governance structure of the county. It is still a an independent company, so it's sort of quasi uh, okay. county. And so there are thirty two county departments, plus or minus. And Palm Tran is considered one of them. Although we are separate in that, we have our own pension plan, we have our own payroll system, and so we we're, we're somewhat, but we do we are owned and operated by the board of county commissioners, of which there are seven board of county commission members. We're a mid-sized transit agency. We have 160 uh, fixed route buses and over 300 paratransit vehicles. Wow! And so, as I mentioned earlier in our conversation, geographically we're huge. We are geographically the largest county east of the Mississippi. And it's a lot of territory. We're talking from Boca Raton to Jupiter, plus 50 miles. 
from Palm Beach Island to Bell Glade, which is a rural area of Palm Beach County that not too many people know about, that's 50 miles. And, and so we, we cover and we serve every city in Palm Beach County, of which there are 39. Palm Tran has four facilities. This now in South County is our main facility, our main headquarters. We have a facility in North County and West Palm Beach. We have a, a facility in Bell Glade, which is the rural part of the county. And we have a facility, another facility in West Palm Beach, which operates mostly our paratransit system and our administrative headquarters for for that operations. We use providers, two providers to operate our paratransit system, MV and First Transit, which are, you know, well recognized in the industry and they do a great job. You you may kind of notice that it is somewhat lopsided considering our operations are fixed. We have more paratransit vehicles yeah. than we have fixed route. And that really was the subject of the liberality, I think, of the system years ago and the policy of the board and how it provided paratransit service. We have no core area. It's like our core area is all of Palm Beach County. And so we're working on that because it is extremely costly. As paratransit service is already costly, more than a third of our budget is, is used to fund paratransit. And that's, that's very high. What, what is your budget, your annual budget? So our annual budget is, our op, annual operating budget is $108 million annually. And our uh, full budget with capital is $150 million. And we receive about $77 million from the county through gas tax and ad valorem taxes. The rest of that, of course, is uh, federal and state and very small and even smaller, <laughs> getting smaller and smaller every day is Fairbox uh, recovery. Do you know what your ratio is? Our ratio pre-pandemic was around 17, 18%. We are 50% less than that right now. We're at about 40 to 50% in fares. And is that because your ridership has been impacted from COVID? Ridership has been impacted tremendously. And not only, of course, at Palm Beach, but nationwide. Yeah, sure. Worldwide. Transit has been affected because the advice up front, Paul, was correct. Right. And that is, this is a pandemic and you shouldn't gather. And transit is about gathering. Transit is about a shared ride. And that was the right advice. We shouldn't share out unless absolutely necessary because we still operate it. We're essential critical infrastructure sure. for many people that don't have an option. And, and so it, it hurt ridership tremendously. And, and Where are you at now, would you say? Like, so we're recording this at the end of March. Where's your ridership up to now, would you say, percentage-wise from pre-COVID? We're, we're, we're down 40%. Okay. We're down 40%. We were a healthy 9 million boardings annually, 10 million with paratransit. Okay. So we're down 40% from that. And what and have you done to like respond to COVID? I know you guys have done a lot of things. So talk to us about some of your mitigation efforts. Yeah. And Paul, so we're very proud of many of the mitigation efforts that we've been doing here in Florida and at Palm Tran. And we've been the leaders in that. I'm the chair of the Florida Public Transportation Yeah, congratulations, man. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. And what I've, what I've done is I've made sure that all these best practices that Palm Tran and Jacksonville and Pinellas, all these organizations are implementing, is that it's shared. And especially with our region here, where we're in the South Florida region, it includes Palm, Palm Beach County, 
Broward County and Miami-Dade County. And we have calls at least every couple of weeks on our efforts. And so the mitigating efforts have been critically important. One of the things is, of course, we enhanced cleaning. We stood up cleaning at almost every end of the line. Actually, people in service cleaning the buses because I wanted it to be extremely palpable. I wanted it to be conspicuous to the public that we care about your health and well-being. And you can see that we are taking a special effort to clean our vehicles. And so we hired a firm using our CARES dollars to actually stand up people at the end of lines so that when people alight our vehicles, they actually board, wipe down the stanchions and the seats, and disembark the vehicle. And people see that. And we've gotten so many great compliments by the public, by them seeing that. And yes. it's built confidence yes. in people currently riding the system and as we trickle, as our people trickle back to the system, they, we continue that practice. That's so wonderful. that's one. We put in barriers that separates the operator from the customer and vice versa. And that mitigates the transfer of droplets. I don't like to call them barriers. I actually call them bus operator office doors. There you go. I like it's, that. It's, it's, it's the office of the operator. That's and right. and it, it's, it's twofold. It protects from droplets and it's also a security mechanism for operators for any knucklehead that might want to get on there and do something stupid, it gives an added protection to the to the bus operator. We added automated automated wheelchair securement devices, so to to minimize the contact between a wheelchair customer and the operator. They don't have to kneel down and they do all the tie down. down. The customer presses a button; it secures the wheelchair. They get in position; it secures the wheelchair automatically. That's great. Those things were expensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but they they are a big hit. And they work just beautifully. And it helps uh, the speed of the vehicle, I imagine, as well, right? It, it helps with boarding and dwell time. Yes, right. right? So that, that's another thing. We have, even be, before COVID, something that I brought uh, from CODA that I implemented, and that is having automated hand sanitizer machines on every bus. On the bus? On the bus. Wow. And so we have sanitation devices on the bus. You just put your hand on it. And That's awesome. Get some, yeah. And so that, but that was a challenge initially during COVID because we ran out of hand oh, sanitizer right. Everybody solution. Did. Yeah. Everybody did. Yeah. So there, it was just spewing air. <laughs> right. But but we finally, everybody's back up the stock. And, and so that, that's been a, a major uh, thing. And Paul, the, the also this, the outreach, the communication. We've done dozens of PSAs on the news and, and prime time paid for these spots just to speak directly to the public about transit and how safe it is for you to ride and what we're doing wow. uh, to make it safe. So you did paid PSAs? Paid PSAs. Wow, that's awesome, Clinton. Uh, in the public. Get back and, on the bus. Huh? Get, get back on the bus. Get back on the bus. It's safe. We care about your well-being. And we, we show the cleaners cleaning and wiping down the buses. And there are studies out there now, Paul, that says that actually document that right. uh, there there's very little transmission from using transit. And so we're very proud of that. But aside from that, the personal protection of our operators, of course, all the PPE, we're required, you're required to wear PPE on our bus, a mask is required. We, we have social distancing where our max capacity on a 40 foot bus is 20 persons. And we're very strict about that. And that's a little easier now that the ridership 
has gone down. And so we're able to manage that without adding any additional capacity. Every employee is temperature checked as they enter the facility. And we, of course, we, we, we have a much larger building so we can socially distance a lot more. And so it's 34,000 square feet. Yeah, 34,000 square feet, LEED certified, and we're, we're just enjoying this. There, there was some great silver lining with the pandemic. It's some things that we learned. I've always said that uh, crisis breeds innovation. And, and, and the, I've just been so proud of the innovation that the transit industry has taken advantage of as a result of this crisis. For example, we have a call center of 75 people, right? And they're the paratransit and the customer service. And they were in pretty tight quarters. And it was like, well, what do we do? Well, let's set them up at home with their computer, with their phone. And what we found when we did that was just great return on investment. The phone calls, there weren't weren't many calls in queue. Our phone uh, call taking was much quicker. Folks weren't late for work <laughs> because they're at home. And we found that people were much more responsive and happier answering the phone in their PJs. <laughs> there you and, go. and so our entire call center operation continues to work from home. And Paul, I'm not sure if I'm going to change that. Really? And yeah, so now we need to look at our space right. and see what we might want to do with that space. Do you space. need all that anymore, right? For that function. For yeah. that function. And because that's a function that actually can operate 100% remotely. That's interesting. And so that is an efficiency because we've gained efficiency from peop- the, the, the people who are giving us compliments about the attitude of, of the call takers. The calls are answered quicker and more responsively. And I'm like, man, this is working. The other thing, Paul, is we have a service. We have three modes. We have fixed route, we have paratransit, and we have what is called a microtransit flex service out in the Glades region, which is our rural area. Okay. And the state funded that service. We have been piloting it for about a year. And how that service operates essentially is we have four routes that deviate upon a call and and they'll pick you up and they'll get back on the route and so, so forth. And so what we recognize is we were using cutaway vehicles to do this service. And we found that it was hard to control the social distancing with the deviated calls and the fixed route portion of the route with a smaller vehicle. So we said, you know what, let's, let's, let's go full on demand, full on demand for the entire region. Because it, the Glades region is conclude three cities, Pahokee, Bell Glade, and South Bay, which is really like an island into itself. Okay. And we went full on demand, similar to our Uber and Lyft. And you contracted we, out? We didn't contract it out yet. Okay. Well, no, it is contracted. I'm sorry. Oh. MV, MV Transit has it. Okay, all right. But in terms of the call hailing service using technology we're still working on, but they call within two hours and the vehicle will pick them up from their home and take them to their from their origination point to their destination and back to their origination point. And ridership, that's the only mode that ridership increased by 40%. Wow. And so... That's something that, again, another silver lining and another innovation that we have learned that has benefited. And so now what we're doing is like, well, if that worked there, we have been going through a paradigm shift in transit and disruption from Uber and Lyft and other factors. And here we have another disruption. 
we need to also be pliable. We also need to, you know, look at our service. And fixed route is always going to be there, but how can we provide this service similar to what we just did in the Glade region for this hugely large geographical county? How can we implement something like that in other places of the county? So that's what we're doing now. We're looking at first, last mile and more on-demand service, circulator services in different parts of the community. It's awesome. That's a really growing trend, that mobility on demand. Yeah. Any other new plans you have for changes or going forward? Well, again, more touchless options are going to be okay. available. Uh, we are contracted with Genfair to implement our smart card system, and that will revolutionize how people pay their fare. Paul, I'm, I'm one in transit. I like to simplify how we think about transit, and I always take it from the customer's perspective, right? Mm. And I feel that one of the major impediments of transit is, is fare payment, right? And, and we really have to simplify that for people. And to me, simplifying that means is that when you approach a vehicle, anybody, you should be able to pay your fare with anything on your person. You shouldn't have to think about it. So that means that if I have a credit card, I should be able to pay my fare. If I have cash, I should be able to pay my fare. If I have a mobile device, I should be able to pay my fare. If I have a wearable And that's the type of system that we're delivering in Palm Beach County, a system where our customers don't have to think all they need to do is approach the vehicle and board. That's great. And and so we're working with Gen Fair. We'll be implementing what we called, and I think this is the perfect name for (laughs) the paradise we live here in Palm Beach County, the paradise card. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's great. The paradise system. And so that we'll have a new smart card system that we'll be implementing in June. That's great. And it provides more touchless options. And Gilbert Morales, your director of sports services, who took me on a tour around here, told me you guys also just got Easy Wallet for your paratransit customers. So yes. that's good. Same kind of thing. Same kind of thing. Yeah. Easy Wallet for our paratransit. That's and awesome. Again, more touchless options are, are what people are, are, are going to be looking for. That's great. What other kind of things are happening? What other innovations? You got? I mean, that's that's enough. But yeah, do you have yeah, anything yeah. else cool coming well, up? Well, we definitely are looking at electric vehicles. We have five that have been funded, and I think you'll be talking to our transportation planning agency very soon. Yes, tomorrow. Uh, They're in that program. And so we're looking forward to begin implementing and introducing electrification of our fleet. And I really think, and I'm glad we we took our time with the different technologies because CNG is good, but I really think that our future is electrification. That's where everybody seems to be headed. Yeah. Unless there's like a real like down in Fort Worth, Texas, and places like that where they've, where they've got CNG coming right out of the ground into their facility almost. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. So that, that, that's exciting. Of course, the, the small but important projects to our customers, such as passenger amenities, we, we're looking at new bus shelters throughout our system. But our route performance maximization project, in 2018, we redesigned our entire bus network. And, yeah, then uh, you did like a Houston, right? Like everybody did, was doing? We yeah. did like Houston. It was yeah. called RPM. Okay. And what a perfect name for that, right? We revved up our our go. transit system. Now, of course, COVID has affected us. We've yeah. had we've had probably in transit, Paul. You normally have three or four service changes in a year. Yes, right. we've had probably eight or nine, just trying to evolve with oh, this yeah. disease. Yes, and and follow so, the demand, right? Follow the demand, and so it has it has disrupted our RPM and all the efforts that we've made since then. And so we're trying to get back on course with our RPM and the RPM 2.0 is a three-pronged approach. Okay. One, we'll be implementing this year, first and last mile. 
working with contractors like Uber and Lyft. And two, we'll be trying to implement microtransit and mobility on demand in different parts of our community. And three, and you'll, you can talk to the TPA a lot more about this, and that's our 561 plan. Okay. And our 561 transit corridors in Palm Beach County that we can implement premium transit, going from maybe starting from a bus rapid transit to a light rail to potentially heavy rail in our future. And so that's a long-term uh, vision of, 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 of Palm Tran. That's wonderful. Well, Clinton, it's been, it's been great to, I know we've been talking, I've been talking to you about coming on the podcast for at least two years. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm so happy to be here in person to your new facility. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. I understand this was maybe 15 years in the making and then you got it done in like 18 months of building it. It's a great work, brother. In, in fact, Paul, that, let me tell you, when I got here, there was only two floors. And I was like, are we ever thinking about growth? Yeah. This building is going to be here for the next 50 years. Right. We, we are going to grow. And I added another vehicle, I, I, another floor, get, you know, sought some additional federal funds, and we got it done. And so we, now we have a beautiful building that's very spacious. We could spread out, and we have room for growth. There you go. <laughs> so you're an iconic figure in the industry. You cut a dashing figure. You're always dressed to the nines, like you <laughs> thank said. You, thank you. And uh, people want to know you a little bit more. So do you mind if I do a lightning round with you so people can get to know you a little bit better? Sure, sure. All right. <laughs> Here we go. I'm going to throw some things at you and you tell me kind of what your, what's a really good book you've read lately that you would refer to other people? How to Lead. And, and How to Lead is a book that has several authors, including Oprah Winfrey, Barack Obama, just so many different leaders, about 12 different leaders and their story and passages about how to lead. That's great. My all-time book, though, is by James C. Hunter, and that is Servant Leadership. Oh, that's a good and, one. And yeah. I, would all, I would recommend any leader to read that book. What's, uh, what kind of music do you like to listen to? I really like old-time gospel, believe it or not. I believe it, yeah. And jazz. Very nice. Yeah. I'm into a jazz phase myself. Yeah. Do you have any pets? No, no I pets. don't have any pets at this time. I, I, I typically am an aquatic person where I love a nice marine fish tank, but I don't have one at this time. All right. And last question is, what are your hobbies? What do you do outside of work for fun? Well, outside of work, and people say, well, that's not really a hobby, but I, I'm a runner. Okay. And yeah. so it's just so medicinal and just so mind-clearing when you run. I don't run with music or anything. I just clear my mind. I try to do it on the beach. And so I like running. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Clinton Forbes, for being with us today, Executive Director of Palm Tran, and also Chairman of the Florida Public Transportation Association this year. Thank you for being with us today on Transit Unplugged. It's been fascinating. Thanks, Paul. It's great to see you. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.